Uh, we're going to be on Psalms 35 uh, tonight. Um, there's, there's a few things about this psalm that intrigues me. Um, and one thing, it, it's, it's part of a group of psalms, uh, imprecatory psalms is actually what some refer to them. And what that basically means, there's just a group of psalms, and it kind of gets progressively a little more dramatic with them. Um, it, it's psalms where, that, where David is pleading uh, with God to either uh, invoke judgment or some kind of wrath or calamity of something um, toward his enemies. Um, but in studying it, I, I don't really think necessarily, and we're going to get into this a little bit, because some view this psalm and other psalms like it. They say, well, once, as the Bible said, once God overlooked things that he don't overlook anymore because Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, don't pray for their destruction. And I read several uh, Bible scholars who say, uh, especially this psalm and, and a few others, David was actually doing that, praying for the destruction of his enemies. Uh, but I, I, I don't really see that in this psalm uh, or in the others. I think what David is praying for is the destruction of what the enemies are planning for him. Um, and I think there's a big difference in that. Uh, I think what David is actually praying here and pleading with God, I think we can do the same today. I don't think that part is any different when it comes to the Old Testament or New Testament. And many people say, well, Jesus says pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, pray for those who despise you. You, you, don't, you don't want their harm. Well, think about that for a minute. And we're going to talk about this as we get in it, but I've really been, been studying about this because it's kind of intrigued me and, and I've had some questions about it myself. What exactly, okay, if, if we can't pray like David did here, plead with God that the enemies, just, you know, what they have in store for him is destroyed, what is it we're supposed to pray for when they're enemies? That God blesses them, that, that they will be uh, uh, successful in their endeavors? I mean, really, uh, if we're supposed to pray for our enemies, and we should, that's what Jesus tells us to do, how exactly do we do that? Uh, I think we do that in some ways like David does here. Uh, now, maybe not exactly, because we don't have the things happening to us that happened to David, but David is wanting them to turn from their ways. And he says many times in these particular psalms when it comes to his enemies that if they don't turn their way, God do this so they will drive them away from doing this. He's leaving it in their court. If, if, if they turn from what they're doing, then God won't do these things to them. Or, uh, you know, if they keep coming with it, then this is what's going to happen. And that's basically what God has always told us, isn't it? You know, we, we have a choice. We go down this path. You get rewarded. You go down this path. This path leads to destruction. So how is it if, if David... And many scholars say this. Maybe I'm wrong. I, uh, I'll take some comments on this. I just don't see David praying for his enemies just, just, just to be annihilated. It, it's their efforts that he's wanting. You know, what they're doing to him, he's wanting that stopped. And if we're not to pray that, what is it that we're supposed to pray for? Well, how are they going to change their ways? That, that's it. I think we ought to pray for them to change their ways. And... Uh, but I don't think them changing their ways means they're successful in what they're trying to do to us. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's what I was, and, and you're right, Jerry, that, that's how we're supposed to do it. And that's what I believe David is doing here. 
Okay, if they don't change their ways, they need to be stopped. And he says, here's what's coming at me, and I pray that their efforts, that they will fall into the same. If they're planning to trap for me, let that, them fall into that themselves. Maybe that'll bring them to their senses. Now, maybe I'm reading it wrong, and we'll get into that with these psalms. But this isn't the first psalm where David, you know, you go back and look, what was it, Psalm 7. That wasn't as maybe as intense as we're going to see here in Psalms 35. And I think they do get progressively more, but I think David's enemies get more aggressive against him. And what I see when David is, is, is pleading these things with God, I see David as wanting what they're doing stop, but also vindication. Okay, when, when you stop, God, when you stop them and, and you show how that I've not done anything to deserve this. It's bringing vindication to me by you stopping them, which brings vindication to your, your children, which brings glory to you. And I think that's the process in which David is, is approaching this. You know, when a, an enemy does something against someone who's following God, by God stopping that, that not only stops that evildoer, but it also vindicates the one that they're doing that to, which is the follower of God. And that's what I think you see out of David here uh, many times. Now, again, should we pray that, you know, God, I hope my enemy gets out in the road and gets run over by a tractor trailer? I, I don't think that's the process at all. Uh, I, I think the Bible does condemn that. And I, I just don't see that that's what David is doing here. Maybe I'm not seeing the right thing. But, and many scholars think that it is. Many scholars think that what David says we couldn't do today. God overlooked that, but he doesn't overlook that anymore. Um, I, I just don't see it that way. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but we can see it as we go through here. Anybody got any thoughts about that when it comes to praying for your enemy? What's that? A new target? Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, and, and another thing that David is doing is, God said, vengeance is mine. David is not saying, okay, I'm going to take these matters into my own hands. God, you do this. And that's what God tells us he's going to do anyway, isn't it? God said, I'm the one that's going to take care of this. And David is saying, okay, God, you say you're going to take care of it. I actually need you to do that because they're about to kill me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of need this to happen. Matter of fact, he even tells God to... Not to wake up, but to, to arise. Basically, don't, don't tarry. I need you to protect me now. This is coming on me now. Um, I, I think David is finding himself. It doesn't give us the particular event here. Uh, there's some things in which David says that we can see in Psalm or in uh, 1 Samuel, I think it's 24, uh, that kind of sounds similar. So it might be during that event uh, with Saul. Uh, but whatever it is, David said, my enemies are, are closing in. They're, they're close, and, and I need you to protect me, and I need this to happen. And he even mentions destruction, but to me, it, it reads more that they fall into the destruction of, of what they have planned for him. He don't want that to happen, and, and I think there is a difference in that. And, and I think that's what it's, it, it, it's going to take. We, we, we've got to stop them in a way that's going to cause them to repent. And, and what brings a person to repentance? What causes them? Sometimes it has to be, you know, 
their own devices coming true to them. It has to be something that, that shakes them into that point. Burton, you what? Right, yeah. Um, I think today you should, if you're praying about things, that you might say or do something that lights them on out. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually they have to know they're wrong. I mean, they probably already know they're wrong, but, yeah. but you might say or do something in kindness that that's all right, they're really not against me. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the difference. And I think Jesus teaches that. There's a difference in, you know, as, as the Bible tells us, as, as much as is possible with us, we're to live peaceful with all people. So we have to do everything possible on our part. But there, there's a point to where, okay, that, that's all I can do. I can't do anymore, but I still don't want them to do this to me. So how do I keep that from happening? You know, we're not supposed to just, you know... Lord, I pray what they're doing, you know, I, I want them to come to the truth, and so let them do to me whatever they want to. I don't think that's the process. Um, now, there could be things in which God is using this individual to bring me to the truth by things they're doing. Um, you know, there, there's things that possibly could fall into that category. Um, you know, I, I was, I'm always the person that, that, you know, as the Bible talks about, there, there's long-suffering with individuals and then they're snatching them out of the fire i always pictured myself more of the snatching out of the fire because sometimes i have to be i have to be shook there's something has to be you know it i have to be kind of hit right in the head with it sometimes for me to grasp things sometimes um and that's how i ended up coming to the truth to start with i thought thomas ease i thought he followed me around everywhere i went i thought every sermon he preached was right to me and i finally asked him one day you know why, why do you preach to me every single time you get up there? And he said, I, I preach the truth. And he says, the truth that is, is coming to you. He said, it's not, it's not me. And at that time, I didn't see it that way. I was 16. I just thought, he don't want me here. You know, why is he preaching to me every Sunday about this? But there, there, there has to be a, a way of, that you reach people. And, and a lot of people are reached, they reach, you know, you reach them in a lot of different ways. Uh, and the truth, when the truth comes, the truth does set you free. But as we said, meantime, the truth can hurt. Truth can make you mad. Truth can upset you. There's a lot of things that you go through with the truth before you allow it to set you free. And sometimes with our enemies, it's the same way. Uh, but let's read this, and we'll talk about this as we go. Uh, let's look at verses 1 through 3 here where David is, is pleading for his defense. He says, plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler. Stand up for my help. Also draw out the spear. Stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. So David here, he says, plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive or contend with me. Uh, Many adversaries fought against David many times. And... David views it as them fighting against someone who is serving God. So he wants God to to intervene here. Matter of fact, the terms that he uses here is a legal term that's used with uh, litigate here. He starts out with this, and he kind of goes into some military terms. But he's basically saying, you stand between me 
and my enemies. This is what they're, they're doing to me. And I, I, you know, while this is going on, I need you to say you are my salvation. I need to find my comfort in you. David is, is needing reassurance from God. Okay, these enemies are coming at me, but I still need to know. I need to know that you are my salvation. And he talks about uh, God holding up a shield and a buckler. We, I don't know about you. I don't view God in that term where he's putting on armor, that God needs armor. But the Bible does talk about this several different times. And what it's talking about here is that small shield that that person had. And then, then it's the big one where the, the shield bearers would go before uh, the person in, uh, in battle to protect them. And that's what he's saying about God. I, I, I need you to get your shield out. I need you to protect me. And while he's doing that, it, it's as if God is fighting the enemy, but yet consoling and comforting the one that he's protecting. That's what David is saying. I need you to say to me that, that, that you're, you're my salvation. So you're, you're protecting me with the shield. You're, you're, you're doing this against my enemies. And then he goes from a defensive thing to a, an offensive thing about the spear. He said, also draw out your spear. In other words, don't only protect me, but keep them away from me. Don't just protect me when they're coming. I need you to drive them back. My, my enemy is coming, and David said, you're the only one. You're the one that can protect me in this. But he needs consoling during this, too. And I, and I think David hits it right. When we think about God and how God, you know, he said, as Jesus said, I'll always be with you. And God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And God said, he's going to be here to protect us. That, I believe that's how we need to view God. Not only with, with shielding us, not only with driving out the enemy, but also saying comforting things to us. You know, it, 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 it's going to be all right. It's, gonna be, it's almost like a parent. You know, when, when something, you, you got your children and something bad is happening, it, it, it could be a storm or it could be something that's coming, and you've got your, you know, you know, your kids huddled there, you're protecting them, but you're also giving them comforting words. So not only, you know, when they hear all the things around them or, or something bad's happening, you're showing them two things. One, that you can protect them and that you're doing all that you possibly can to protect them. But not only that, you're trying to ease their anxiety and their, 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 their anxiousness in that process. You know, you don't just throw them on the ground, hold them, and then just a free-for-all. You're trying to comfort them at the same time. That's what David is saying here that he's, he, he's needing God to do. Not only protect, not only to drive out, but to comfort him. He says, here he says, say to my soul, I am your salvation. David said, I, I, I need to hear that. I need to know that. I need to reassure myself of that. And, and I think that happens with us uh, many times too. But look at Isaiah 59 and verse 17. It says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Talking about God here. And again, I, I don't that much think of God as putting on armor. But it's, it's, it's telling us that God is well equipped to protect us of anything that's coming. The only thing that, that he, I won't say that he can't protect us from, but is our own choice when we bring harm to ourselves. How, how is God going to stop that? We choose to rebel. He's here protecting us, but we may choose to be outside of that protection. Just like uh, Hebrews 10 and uh, 26 says, 
if we sin willfully, there remains no more sacrifice for us. Jesus' blood continues to cover us as his children. But if we step out of that flow of blood, then guess what? The covering's over here. The protection's over here. But we're outside of that. We made that choice to get out of that protection. God didn't move. He didn't move out of the way until the enemy have at it. We moved. We made the choice. And David is saying here, God, I, I need to stay in your protection. I need to stay in what you're, you're doing for me. And he tells him again, you know, draw the spear. Keep them, uh, keep them at bay. Look at verses 4 through 8. He says, let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery. Let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly. And let his net that is he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. So think about this. This is the, the, really the section that many, um, I say many, several that I read. Um, not, not all of them, but, but most of the ones that I read had a problem with. They said a Christian couldn't pray this today. They couldn't plead with God. God wouldn't tolerate this like he accepted it with David. But, but notice again what he's saying here. Let, let's go back and look at this. Let those be put to shame and brought dishonor who seek after my life. Is that saying this person ought to be destroyed? Is that what that says? It says, let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. There has to be something that, that, that causes them to, to realize what they're doing is wrong. So let them be put to shame. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion. He didn't tell him to kill them there. Who plot my hurt. Let them be like chaff before the wind. Now, anytime the Bible usually talks about chaff, what do they do with the chaff? They burn it, don't they? Yeah, they burn it up. When they're separated out at the end, it gets burned up. He's not telling them to burn it up here. He's telling them to be like the wind to blow it away. David's wanting his enemy away. He's wanting the danger part away, and I think that's what he's saying here. He says, let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery. Let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause they've hidden. He said they prepared this net and this pit. They dug out. Notice, here, here it is. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly. Let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. So is David talking about the person being destroyed or their efforts being destroyed? I mean, just don't agree with me, be agree with me. Is it, you think that too? I mean, you're right here, Jerry. We're right there. <laughs> We think alike. Not most people want to think like I do, but we. But I mean, I mean, really think about that. He said, "Let destruction come upon them quickly." Okay, they've planned this, so it's going to be unexpected for them to fall into that same trap in which they they did for David. And he says uh, here at the end, he says, "Into the very destruction, let them fall. Into that very thing in which they planned for me, let that happen to them." Now, is that a hateful prayer? Is that saying that he wants his enemies annihilated? 
I don't know. It, it could be. I just don't see it that way. I see it as him saying the plans in which God, he wants God to stop what they're planning for him and, and let the very thing that they do for, for me, let it, let it fall back on them. Um, and there's a couple things with this. Well, uh, this isn't the first time let's talk about an angel. In Exodus 23, he says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you in the place which I prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Don't provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice, do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversary. So David is not asking something of God that uh, God hadn't done before. And he, you know, God says, here, here's what's going to go before you. You know, there's not going to be a lot of tolerance there. You, you obey or, you know, this is what's going to be going on. And David is saying, let, that, let the angel of your Lord, let, let that messenger go before them to chase them away. He didn't say let him come in with a sword and start swinging. He said chase them away. Keep them from doing what they're planning on doing. But David is saying why here. And, and the problem is, he says, they're doing this without a cause. David said, I, I, there's no cause. For, I've not done anything for them to do this. So what they're doing is attacking me when, with me not doing anything. So the only logical thing is it's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle with, with the evil part when it comes to someone serving God. Because David said, I've, I've, I've not done any, they've done this without a cause. And David goes on and explains a little farther. He said, when they were sick, you know what I did? I wore sackcloth and kept my head bowed. That's what I did for them. But now look how they're treating me. He said, I treated them like a brother. But now look what they're doing. So he's saying, I, I've treated them like I'm supposed to treat them. See, that's why I don't think that David is saying that he, he wants them just annihilated. Because he says, I, I, I've treated them exactly like I'm supposed to, but here's what they're doing. So what else is David supposed to do? But he wants them to have a consequence. Yeah. Whether it's that they fell into a pit or they, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily killing them, but he wants them to have a consequence. He wants them to be humiliated. He wants them to fall into their own trickery yeah. um, or plan that they've set up. Right. Which is more of Yeah, I, I don't think he's saying don't let nothing nothing happen to him. I think there has to be consequences. Um, and, and I tell you, that maybe it's a play on words. That it, it's, it's kind of the same. And I, and I know there is a, a fine line here because it, it really determines, it really brings a light on the person that's doing the pleading and the praying, their attitude toward them. You know, and it's very easy to cross that line. It's very easy to... To want them, oh, I just want to pound them in the head. You know, it, it's very easy to cross that threshold. Uh, and David is wanting the, the consequences, but I, I think you, you brought up a good point. David has done what he's supposed to do. He's, he's lived peaceably as much as possibly with them. But now he, he can't do it now. So now it's up to God. Okay, they're still coming. So now you've got to do something. You know, you've you got to take care of this. As he says, you're doing it without a cause. And here's the thing. Um, it, it's really a battle, not necessarily a physical battle, material things of man against man. 
it, it's good against evil. And, and the Bible talks about several times about how the devil prepares things for us and we've got to be careful not to fall into them. Let me give you a couple examples of this. In 1 Timothy 3, in verse 7, he says, Moreover, he must have a good testimony, remember when he's given the qualifications here, among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So the devil is preparing the snare. In other words, he's like he's preparing a pit, just like David's talking about here. So we've got to be on guard that we don't do that. And how do we fight against that? They, we fight against that by doing the things in which God has us to do. And God's going to take care of the rest. The, the ultimate battle is, you know, between good and evil is God and Satan. We're, we're just kind of in the middle. We're like Job in a lot of ways. We're, we're kind of in the middle of that. But if we hold true to it, God's going to take care of, of Satan in the end. He's going to get the very pit in which he's providing for us, the very snare that he's providing us. That's what he's getting in the end, isn't it? You know, there, there's consequences for that too when it comes to that spiritual battle. But as Paul says many times, that's what we're waging against. It's not flesh and blood. It, 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 it's good and evil. It, it, it's that spiritual battle that we face each and every day. And that, that's where it gets hard. That's where the enemy, which the ultimate enemy is Satan, that, that's coming after us in that way. And we've got to be careful not to fall into that in the various ways in which he tries. In 2 Timothy 2 and 26, it says, "...and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will." 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, "...lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." So as David talks about what these evil enemies against him is doing that's what they're doing they're plotting they have these de the evil devices they, they 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 have these snares that they're waiting and david said okay here's what i've done i've done what i'm supposed to there, there's nothing left for it now the only way the only way that i have that's why he told god he said i need to hear i'm your salvation that that's what he needs to hear in all of this you know, and he, he talked about in other psalms of, of God literally pulling him out of the pit, you know, of, of pulling him, keeping him from drowning him, of actually lifting him up. He's doing the same thing here, just a little more intense because his enemies are evidently closing in pretty good. And David said, I, I need something done. And that's what we're seeing with it. Um, look at verses 9 through 10. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord... Who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him? Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. He, he said, my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. After pleading to God for deliverance and protection, David here promised that his soul would be... Uh, uh, David said, I'm, I'm going to... And David said before he'd praise him in every circumstance with his lips. But he's saying here... Lord, I, I, I'm going to make this public, and he keeps on saying this throughout the rest of the psalm. You know, I, I'm going to pray. People's going to know about this. I, I'm not going to keep this silent. I'm, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to tell of what you've done, how, how you've saved me through this, how you've helped me through this. And I think that's some uh, something for us. We we forget sometimes. We we don't give God we don't give the God credit that He deserves 
for things that go on in her life. Sometimes we call it coincidence. We call it luck. We call it, you know, we're hesitant to call it providence because you don't, it, it's hard to pinpoint providence. But God protects his own. You know, and ultimately, again, if when it comes to what we're really facing is that spiritual battle because when it comes to the flesh and blood, what's the worst thing they can do is kill you. You know, it's, you know, David, I think, here is facing more, and I think what he's afraid of is more than just a physical threat. You know, David is, this, this, they're, they're actually attacking his, uh, his faith. They're, they're attacking because he said, I've not done anything for this, so the only thing left for them to attack is, is what I'm doing for you. What I'm doing for you, God. So they're, they're attacking his faith, and that, the mental anguish that comes with that and the emotional stress with that is just, well, the same thing Job dealt with. Job had more of a battle. Yeah, his, I mean, his body was failing. He was almost dead. It was just like his skin was falling off his bones. You know, he couldn't sleep, all these things. But the biggest, I guess, war that Job faced was right here of, of thinking God was doing this to him and he didn't deserve it. David is going through this same anguish, but he's saying, okay, God, I, I'm not blaming you for doing it, but I'm blaming my enemies, but I still don't deserve it. I still don't understand why I'm going through this. And I tell you, this is still a battle I, I feel like Christians face today. We, we can do the very best that we can do, and individuals are still going to attack us for various reasons. Maybe not to the extent they did David, but we're, we're still hit on all sides with a lot of things. And sometimes the, the mental anguish of that can be, uh, it can be pretty heavy. You know, you, you want to say, well, what's the point? I'm doing all that I possibly can do now, and they're still coming. So what's the point to it all? I might as well just give up. And unfortunately, there's individuals that do give up. They say, well, what's the point? Why, why should I keep going? And I think David here, in a lot of ways, is struggling with that. That's why he needs to hear, from, God, I just, I just need to hear you say again, you're my salvation. I, I, need, that, I need that constant in my ear while I'm facing this. And it had to be a very hard, hard time for him. Uh, where are we at? Verse 11. Okay. Uh, he says, Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good, to the sorrow of my soul. But as for me, now notice what he says, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. My prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. So David is saying, okay, here's, you know, they're rising up against me. They reward evil for good. And I don't think David is saying, look, God, look how great I am. Look what I did for them. I didn't have to do that. I think David is, is truly perplexed here, if, if that's the right way to apply that, is because he said, I've done all of this, but... Look what they're doing. He, he almost seems shocked by it, disappointed by it, kind of devastated that, okay, I did this. I would expect them to do the same, but they're not. You know, I'm doing good. I would expect somebody to do good for me. But that's not the way the world works, is it? Just because I do good doesn't mean somebody's going to do good for me. Okay, if I'm doing good and they do evil, it still doesn't keep me from doing the good part. You know, I always try to tell myself this. I've got to do the right thing what's between me and God. 
And when I do the right thing that's between me and God, when I do that for somebody else, what they do with that is between them and God, not between me and them. Does that make sense? You may help somebody, but they may be a scam artist and they, they do something bad with it. Well, the right thing for me to do is to help in all good conscience to the best of my knowledge that I know. If they do the wrong thing with it, that's between them and God. Now, I do have the obligation to find out all that I can. Or if I'm doing good, but this person turns around and does evil toward me, that still doesn't mean I shouldn't have done good. I, I did all that I could do. I lived peaceably as much that was possible for me to do. But there's some things that's just out of our hands. I can't control what somebody else does. And David here, he just, he, he's pretty shocked that, uh, that they would do this, and that's what he's pleading to God. God, look what I did, but they're doing it. I, I don't think he's trying to brag. I think he's trying to say, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, God. <laughs> I, I think that, in essence, what he's saying, I didn't do anything to deserve this because this is what I've done. I, I think he's just kind of saying it out loud here just to reassure himself, I didn't do anything to deserve what my enemies are, are giving to me. He says in verse 15 through 16. Well, I've got to move on. But in my adversary, in my adversity, they rejoiced and gathered together. Attackers gathered against me. I did not know it. They tore at me and did not cease. With ungodly marker, uh, markers, mockers at feasts, they gnashed at me with their teeth. Look at verse 17 through 18. kind of goes along with it. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction. My precious life from the lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among the people. Again, he's saying, here's what my adversaries are doing. He said, help me through this. I'll praise you in, every, you know, in the public places. I'll do everything that I can to, to still let people know who you are. Some may look at this and say, okay, David is bargaining with God. God, you do this. I'll stand up and say something nice about you. I don't think that's what he's saying. Is that Burton? You have something? What's that? What you just said here. What'd I say? I, I was on a roll. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> the whole spirit here in the last two series. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, well, I've got my notes here. I've kind of skipped over them because I get on a soapbox sometimes. But, you know, it's, I, I look at this and I get excited about it because I struggle with these things. You know, my wife says I tell too much up here, but I, I, I do. I, I struggle like anybody else does. You know, we're, we're all the same in a lot of different ways. We just, you know, kind of act different on, on certain things of, of things we get approached with. But, you know, I, I struggle with, okay, you know, you still do all that you can do. Then what do you do when it just keeps coming? You know, what, what do you do when it keeps just coming on you? You want to do more. I found out by Eric, you can honk a horn in a, with a godly attitude. So, you know, you can do that. Uh, I was glad to hear that. But then what else? You know, I mean, really, and that's where I say you've got to be careful not to cross the line. You just have to turn some things over to God and keep doing the best that you can do and, and have that assurance that, and to me, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it may sound awful, there's satisfaction in knowing the enemy ultimately won't get away with it, will they? In the end, they will not get away with it. We will, as Christians, be vindicated. And I think we have to keep telling ourselves that. But David here, in a more practical sense, he, he's facing it hard. 
and, and he's needing to see that vindication now because they're coming for him hard in all points. And, and David's in a unique position because of the, the place in which God has placed him. And I think David understands that responsibility, and I think it kind of weighs on him that this is still happening with God put him in the position that he's in to begin with. Um, verse 17 through 18. Uh, no, we, we got that one, didn't we? Let's move on just a little bit. Uh, starting in verse 19. He says, Let them not rejoice over me who are wrongly, uh, wrongfully my enemies, nor let them wink with the eye who hate me without a cause. For they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful matters against the quiet ones in the land. And I like how David says this because what he's talking about, okay, you've got individuals, you take a Christian who says, I'm not going to get caught up in all this. I want to live my quiet life. I want to live a peaceful life. I want to do the very things that God wants me to do, doing to the best of my ability, and I just want to have a peaceful life. And David is saying, here's what the enemies are doing to those individuals, those that are in the, the, the quiet ones in the land, the ones who they shouldn't be doing anything to, but they are, simply because they're serving you, simply because they're serving God. But Jesus told his disciples that, didn't he? He says, they're going to hate you because they hate me. It's not who they are. It's not uh, because they did something particular Jesus said, that hatred, when you go into a town, they're already going to hate you because they hate me and you follow me. And that's what it really comes down to when it comes to good and evil. The enemy's going to come simply because we're serving God. It may not be any other reason. Now, we've got to be careful make sure we don't give a reason. You know, there's blessings in suffering, but not, not all suffering's blessed because we can bring it on ourselves. But if we're living the best that we can, the enemy's still going to come. And we've got to be ready for it. Uh, well, Jesus said this in John 15 and verse 25. He says, But this happened that the, world might be, the word might be fulfilled, which is written in the law, they hated me without a cause. I think Jesus was alluding to this here, of what David said. Uh, did, what did Jesus do to cause the hatred to him? Was he mean? Was he uh, you know, spiteful? Was he... Going out, you know, uh, against his enemies and just trying to fight them. I mean, what did they really hate Jesus for? Huh? He was a threat because of, I tell you, to, to, to live the Christian life, the, the biggest thing that it does, and, and Jeff hit it there, that's what Jesus did, it shines a light on what the evil is doing. And that's a threat. People do not like that. As Jesus said, they like the darkness. They don't like the light. That's the reason the enemies are coming after David. David is shining that light. He's letting that light shine by just the life that he's living. That doesn't mean David was a perfect individual. We know he wouldn't. We know the things that he did. But here, the world's going to come just because they like the darkness and the darkness within itself. Um, let's move a little farther. He says, stir up yourself, awake to my vindication. See, here he, 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 he doesn't think God's moving quick enough. He, he, he's needing something now. He said, to my vindication, to my cause, my God and my Lord, vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness. Let them not rejoice over me. 
Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so we would have, uh, we would have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who rejoice at my heart. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who exalt themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant and my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. Um, I encourage you to go back and study this and the other Psalms that that uh, show David pleading to God for, for action against his enemies. Uh, I, I think it's a good study, but I think one thing we can get out of it is to realize we need God to say that to us, that he's our salvation. We need to constantly be reminded of that so when we face the hardships that we face, like David, we can have that same assurance.